what's up Woodbridge? It's Mr. Karnbach and Miss Bristow and we're talking about what you want to hear about. Today we have with us a very special guest to talk about the process of applying for college. So Mr. Karnbach, who do we have with us today? We have Mr. Mohammed, who is our college counselor here at Woodbridge High School and he's been with us three, three years, years three years now and yeah. he's, he's done an amazing amazing job and so Mr. Mohammed Let's say I am a senior. Where do I start my whole college application process? Like, where do I go? What do I look for? Who do I need to contact if I need help? What, what is my very first couple of steps? You know, uh, number one is a student, if they're interested in pursuing two-year or four-year school, then the best thing, the best place to start is creating a list of schools that they're interested in. You know, so... Uh, whether it's in-state or out-of-state, you know, creating that list is the very first place to start. Um, also, they need to see if that school is a common app school, a coalition school, or, or if they're able to apply directly through uh, the school's website. So th those are the – that's like the first place to start. Um Outside of that, they need to see what their general requirements are for the schools that they're interested in. So, so many kids are applying to schools that, you know, the school is nice, you know, um, it's popular and things of that nature. And so their friends are applying, so they're applying. And far too many kids are applying to schools that they don't meet the general requirements whether it's GPA, testing, whatever the case may be, you know. Um, so finding out those, you know, particulars are very important. So that's where, you know, a student should basically uh, start their process. So um, once a kid knows the process for starting, like, the application, what are some key dates that they really need to keep in their mind? I know we're fastly approaching those first deadlines, um, for early decision and early action. And some schools have rolling admissions versus like a decision day. Could you yeah. take a minute to like explain like what some of those key dates are and then like what's really the difference between like early decision and early action? And like, are those words interchangeable? Because I thought it meant one thing. Mr. Karnbach thought it oh, meant another. Oh, I thought it was the other thing, yeah. And then we're both like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, those are great questions. And uh, so basically the key dates are November 1st, November 15th, December 1st, December 15th, and January 1st, right? Lots so that's, that's a lot of dates. But... Most of those dates are generally early action or early decision, you know. So um, early action is when a student applies early to the school and they're able to get a decision sooner than later. Early decision are generally a binding agreement to where, like, for instance, if a kid applies to UVA, University of Virginia, they, they do early decision, they get in, now they're bound to University of Virginia, which means that if they've applied to five other schools, they have to withdraw their application from those schools, commit specifically to UVA. And, you know, you have to, again, you're bound. So me personally, 
I've always suggested that a student only applies to a, a binding school if they've had a conversation with their parents, guardian, and they know that if they can get into the school, they're able to afford it. Yes. So what happens is if they're in a, a binding agreement and they're unable to somehow pay for this education, you know, come May or June before it's time to go to school, then they're still obligated to pay. They're financially responsible because they've held that spot, you know. So now this is year 16 for me. And so over the year, like throughout the years, I, I want to say other than two years when I taught third grade, I've always been involved with the college and career piece. And I, I've had four kids over the years be held to that binding agreement and they, and they never attended the school, you know. So a student doesn't want to get into that type of binding agreement if they haven't had that discussion. So I always encourage kids to apply early action. Then that way, okay. if, if they receive six early action decisions, now the ball is in their court. They can have that conversation, uh, and then it allows them to also have time to wait on their financial aid to see what finances they'll be receiving. So really, and honestly, like early action is gives you more flexibility, but it also yes. affords you a lot more sooner knowledge, too. Yes, yes. You, you know, because basically if, if a kid, you know, submits their application uh, November 1st, they, they'll they'll receive their decision uh, generally before the new year, okay. you know, or no no later than the end of January, you, now, you know. Now, in response to that, if can a kid go early action and get waitlisted for early action, but then when when regular missions t deadlines cast, can a kid get accepted then, or once a kid's been waitlisted or whatever in early action? That's that stays the whole time. So, so Does that makes sense. Yeah. So, so being waitlisted will, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily that the, the student doesn't meet the, the requirements or they're any less than anyone else. Sometimes it's just simply a numbers game. Okay. You know, so, so, and that has nothing to do with the early action or early decision. Mm -hmm. It's just that most schools, you know, the big schools, they receive, at least 38 to 44,000 applications. We, you know, out of 40, 40,000 applications, uh, a third of them probably, you know, have made errors on, on the, uh, mm -hmm. on the application. So they're eliminated. Okay. You know, the, the other, you know, uh, <clears throat> the other portion, you know, is just more students than there are spots. Gotcha. So if a student is waitlisted, then basically um, the school will wait to see how many kids that have been accepted, how many students will commit to the school. Okay. You know, so it, it, it is what it is. So the waiting, the waiting game can be a little frustrating, but at the same time, it still allows the kid to weigh their options along the way. Okay. Now, so speaking of this applications and everything, one of the things that goes with them is letters of recommendations from your teachers. Yes. Now, I've received my first one, so I am typing that up currently as we talk. Well, not right now as we're talking, but I'm currently yeah. typing it up. So 
obviously when I was, when I was a teacher, I would always get just this notification from Naviance. You know, very few times the kid would come up and talk to me first and give me some things to yes. like make sure I reference. So take a minute, tell, tell the kids a what Naviance is, because some of them still seniors don't know. And what's the right way to ask your teacher for a letter of recommendation? Because it's not like slipping a paper under the door <laughs> or just expecting a teacher yes. to reply to an email from some random, <laughs> you know, source. Yeah. Good, good, great questions. Um, before I go on to that, um, going back to the application, um, I wanted to touch on uh, rolling admission. Uh, rolling admission is basically you can apply at any time throughout the year. And for instance, let's go with VCU. VCU has rolling admission. So let's just say a kid right now says they're, they're not looking forward. You know, they have no plans to go to a four-year school, even two-year school. Uh, later on in the year, they, ha they have this epiphany, like school is where I need to be. And it is May, and they're now interested in VCU. Basically, they can apply to VCU in May or June. Uh, classes start in, in August. If VCU, if they met all the requirements and VCU still has open spaces, that, that student can still be admitted. So uh, most, most schools that had rolling admission uh, used to be like in the southern states, uh, Midwest and and now over the like the last ten years it has rolled you know uh, to the East Coast you know so um, I wanted to touch on that before I got on before I forgot so great questions in regard to Naviance and the teacher recommendations the letters of recommendation should be requested uh, from students uh, directly through an email to a teacher first you know because because you know. As a teacher, you know, you might have a kid their freshman year and you don't have them again, you know, but maybe you had a good relationship with them their freshman year. You see them passing throughout the hallways over the years, but now you don't really know too much about them or their involvement over the years. And so, you know, it. so that request allows you to reflect on that kid, get some new information, and it allows you to make that decision if you're the right person to write that recommendation. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you bring up too. And also like them providing you with like a resume of some information yes. too, um, you know, because if you taught them at 14 and now they're a senior, a lot yes. has transpired during that time frame in which mm -hmm. that, you know, it's nice to be able to know some key things that they've done. I always tell students that I want to know like about your academics. I want to know about what you've been doing outside of school. I want to know what you've been doing inside of school so that I can kind of build a whole picture of who you are personally, academically, you know, and socially. Yeah. So, so one of the key things um, I suggest students do is if their application is due, let's just say November 1st, then students should request recommendations at least two to three weeks ahead of time. You know, uh, my conversation with parents are when they, you know, ask excuse me, ask me about recommendation or other documents, you know, I always say that we have 632 seniors, you know, and that means that, you know, let's just say a student applies uh, to a school using Common App, but they, they've applied to eight Common App schools. Uh, for instance, as, on the counseling side, 
the counselor has to do submit a recommendation and counselor forms for each common app school that 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 student applies to you know so 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 our counseling department each counselor has uh about i, I want to say 80 75 to 80 seniors right now we have one one counselor that has 110 you know so so you're you're talking about a lot of requests coming in you know daily on top of other responsibilities so it's not a quick turnaround uh, but i strongly suggest that those recommendation requests are put in naviance you know two to three weeks ahead of time that's, that's really good advice mm -hmm. um one other thing in which to like think about is that is that when kids know these dates the deadlines and the fees, how should they navigate between like, you, cause you keep talking about there's Common App, there's Naviance, there's so many different systems now in which that colleges are using. Yes. How can they keep like all the teacher recommendation requirements, all of the, you know, responses, their personal essay pieces together mm -hmm. when there's so many different ways in which to apply to these schools? Like wh what can they do to kind of keep it all together? So, okay, so let's go with the Common App and Coalition App, all right? So some schools, uh, for instance, um, for instance, at 8.30 this morning, I had a, a webinar with Penn State University, and we had, you know, quite a few kids on, on there. Um, Penn State allows you to use the Common App, the Coalition, as well as you can apply directly through their website, right? So if a student which which is good and is bad because uh, when you have so many options that allows the kid now the kid is all over the place because it's not gotcha. a specific task so if if a kid go, going back to their list of schools if they have five to eight schools on their list and or let's let's go eight schools on their list and five of those schools are common app schools then that that student needs to strictly use the common app for those five schools and see what the other, you know, requirements are for the other three, you know, um, Naviance, that's kind of like a one-stop shop where basically uh, I upload the counselor documents, teacher recommendations, transcripts, school report, any, anything else that needs to be sent for that specific student. So basically a student doesn't need to do anything outside of completing their application. When the, does Naviance connect to Coalition and to Common App? Okay, great question. Common App and Naviance, uh, they they match. Okay, uh, when when okay. a student is going through that Common App, it they have to do uh, a Common App FERPA as well. And then after they do that, it gives them the option to match those accounts. Okay. Yeah. So the coalition is a little tricky because the coalition will uh, send that student's uh, counselor a direct email and the counselor will have to do like some self-reporting uh, for the student and then submit everything back to uh, the coalition, you know, so it's, it's a little tricky, but the, you know, I always suggest that if, again, the schools that they're going with, if they're a common app, then use the common app. 
Gotcha. Okay. Now, is there? I'm assuming Common App has a website with all the schools listed on it. Is that I'm assuming, right? Yes, Com- okay. Common App has. Uh, man, it's changed. Uh, I forgot the number this year, but it is like it's it's hundreds of schools. Okay, hundreds of schools associated with the Common App, and uh, so that's how the coalition came about because basically it's a money it's a money thing. You know, kind of like Naviance and and all the other systems, (laughs) you know, but but uh, yeah, Common App, you know, I want to say it's roughly about a thousand schools right now. Wow. That's a lot. Okay, so obviously we've been talking about a lot of four year universities. So let's say I'm a senior. I'm not quite ready to go directly to a four year university. Okay, Mm -hmm. what are some local options that I can do? right now and then later maybe transfer to a four-year university if i so choose to great question uh luckily for our students and students in virginia you know nova is a great option and it doesn't really matter what state you're you're in uh, of course the the general uh the general <laughs> What's the wording? Uh, people think because you you attend a two year school that you know you, you're you're better than that. You you should be able to go here or there. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you know most people that are attending four year institutions they're struggling to pay for that. You know pay for it financially. So the two year option is great financially, but it also gives you the chance to see if this is really the the option that you really want to pursue because you know you can you can pursue you know one or two classes at a time or you can go there and do you know a full semester you know and kind of see how it works out you know so uh nova is a great option because it has so many different campuses mm-hmm. so a school a, a two year or four year school that has multiple locations that lets you know that they're they're doing something good and they have a lot of you know great programs. So a lot of our students, just because the Woodbridge campus is the closest campus, doesn't mean that that's the campus that they'll be attending because it, it will go based on what what major that student decides to choose. You know, so if they want to do nursing or uh, cosmetology or you know something health related. It may be in the. Uh, Loudoun County campus or the Annadale campus, you know, so it's it's very important that a student chooses uh, that two-year option, you know, um, just to kind of save money, but also get the feel of, of school, um, of that college flow before attending a four-year institution. I mean, I completely agree. I went to Nova first for two years, um, and then I was able to transfer. Um, I got into UVA and into William & Mary. And I, you know, I chose to go to William Mary and it saved me so much money um, by yes. doing that. And also the one thing that's really nice is that I was automatically a junior um, yes. when I transferred in. And um, is it, isn't, do they still have the same thing now too, where you can pay the same tuition rate? Like if you get your associates at Nova, that when you transfer to an in-state school, that you can pay the same uh, tuition rate. Now, not obviously room and board but the tuition credit that you were paying at Nova. I, I knew that that was something they had done before, but I didn't know if they had gotten rid of that. 
Um, I haven't heard of that, you know, since I've been at Woodbridge. Okay. Um, one one of the greatest things, uh, one of the greatest benefits of Nova right now is that they have partnerships with all of the four-year schools and most of the four-year schools in Virginia. You know, so so let's just say a student right now, you know, they really love you know, George Mason or, you know, UVA or William and Mary. And so, uh, but right now they may not meet those requirements directly coming out of high school. So because Nova has the partnerships with these schools, if when, when they meet with that Nova advisor, the Nova advisor will ask them what their plan is after their two years at Nova. If their plan is to transfer to GMU, VCU or whatever the case may be, then they'll put them in that in that program to where uh, if they meet all the requirements at Nova, they, they're automatically uh, accepted into VCU or JMU, whatever the case may be. You know, so so it's it's an automatic acceptance you know program if they go through Nova, which which I feel like is great. Because you're not only saving money for two years, but you're oh, yeah. you're getting admitted into a place that you might not be eligible for right now. That now, excellent thing which that you bring up. So. Does Nova have on their website? Does it have the different schools they have partnership with? So let's a student is just debating four years versus go to Nova first. Does the Nova website have a lot of the the partner schools so kids can go there to start looking first? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I can send out the link because the, the these websites, they, they change so much <laughs> into where you find, you know, this, the information. So it, it gets a little tricky sometimes. But yes, um, they, they okay. do have a tab uh, that lists all of the partnerships. And uh, Karen Todd is, is you know, my uh, connect over at Nova and she does a really good job of making sure the kids are, you know, meeting with the right people. And, you know, she, she makes sure that they're, they're stay on the right track, you know, and, and their transition from Woodbridge to Nova is a, you know, a smooth transition as possible. Um, I mean, we've really kind of touched on a lot of things today for, you know, our listeners here. What is one piece of advice that you would want to give students to remember about the application process? The application process is strictly about timelines. You know, it's, it's about, you know, uh, prioritizing. You know, uh, I, students may not want to hear, but it's almost like your parents giving you a, a list of chores and a list of things that need to be done before they come home. And it's about prioritizing, you know, those responsibilities on top of, you know, because you got, you still have course, you know, your, your classwork and assignments, you know, students may be involved in sports and activities. So it's all about, you know, time management and reaching out to the necessary people um, to get any questions answered, you know, beforehand and get any assistance, you know, along the way. You know, so I, that that would be that would be my my suggestion for students as well as parents to stay on top of, you know, uh, students in regards to their deadlines and basically what they're considering doing, you know, um, after leaving Woodbridge High School. All right. 
All right. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Mr. Muhammad. You've given our listeners a lot of good information, and this is something they can always come back and listen to to remember in case they forget everything. All right. So as parents and students, make sure you tune in in the future. We're going to have an episode. Basically, now you've gotten into college. How are you going to pay for it? So thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you all next time.